Welcome to Here and There, the podcast of the Germanic American Institute. This is Günther. In the middle of editing this episode, I recognized that there are some episodes that probably should not be edited, particularly those episodes where we let our guard down, where we freely admit that we are struggling, and you will recognize the struggle throughout the entire episode. This is the week of March 23rd. March 25th marks one year since the killing of George Floyd. We are trying to find answers to racism. We're trying to understand what it means and how to behave in the context of wanting to come together but not quite having the right words. And this is exactly how you probably understand this episode with all of its pauses and all of its breaks and all of its disjointed statements. It is an incredibly challenging topic to talk about, even though the very answer by Denzel Washington when he was asked, how do we end racism was through communication, through talking to one another, through getting to know one another, through reaching across the aisle. Very true, very difficult. Today's episode is about racism. We will have future episodes where we reach out to people who experienced racism to actually tell us what is this like? Because frankly, we don't understand. So what we need to do is to learn through conversation. On June 12th, 2020, DW.com published an article reading the headline as follows. Rassismus in Deutschland. Menschen hetzen ihre Hunde auf Flüchtlinge. Diese Art der Gewalt gibt es in Deutschland noch immer. Loosely translates to racism in Germany. People are setting their dogs loose on refugees. And this type of violence continues to persist. Today's topic racism in Germany. This is the podcast of the Germanic American Institute. Welcome. Welcome. We're Germanic-speaking European countries. Germany. Deutschland. Austria. Österreich. Switzerland. Schweiz. Blend with the Midwestern United States. Hallo. We are here and there. And we invite you to come along on the journey. And with that being said, welcome back to another episode of the Here and There podcast of the Germanic American Institute in St. Paul on Summit Avenue. It is a heavy topic, and of course, such topics shall not be covered by yours truly alone. So I get to welcome once again the trio back to the podcast. We have Erin, our Director of Communications. Erin, good to see you. Hi, good to see you too. And we have Caro, our Director of Language Services. Caro, welcome back. Guten Tag. Racism in Germany. Heavy, heavy topic. Of course, also a heavy topic here in the US. Uh, it continues. Uh, it doesn't seem to end. On the contrary, it seems to just get a little bit worse, at least uh, as far as the headlines are concerned. So maybe we need to unpack some of uh, what's really going on here in terms of is it... Uh, sales spin in terms of just headlines and salaciousness or is there truly something to that and what does it look like from a German perspective uh, how does it exist how does it compare to the US there's just a lot going on and I do believe that uh, from a cultural perspective as well that we do have a responsibility to not just look at schnitzel bratwurst and beer but also look at some of the things that are perhaps uh, not quite as positive in nature 
Uh, Carl, you have a stack of papers. Uh, you are very well versed in this topic. Uh, where do you believe is an appropriate starting point? Um, I have a collection, my stack of papers, a collection of news just like you had them from starting in August 2020 and ending in April 21. Um, I, there was a big fight in August 2020 in Berlin, that the, there is a street with the M word that uh, was fought over mm. and that changed its name from the street with the M word into Anton Wilhelm Amostrasse um, after the first African professor in Germany during the 1700s. Mm. Nobody knew that there were an African professor professor in Germany during right. the 1700s. Um, um, I used to go by that subway station in Berlin. Um, did that change actually take place? Has that it, it been changed? Um, it is decided to change. I wasn't in Berlin lately. I don't know. Okay, that, is a good, that is a good question we could follow up mm -hmm. on. Okay, but hopefully soon. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to, um, before Carol goes, goes on, um, sort of reiterate the fact or what, what Gunter said about um, the mission here at the Germanic American Institute. Um, you know, our mission is to connect people to a broader world through German language and culture, and that includes modern Germany, and that includes the United States today. And so I, I really invite our listeners to come with us on this journey. I think as we talk about racism in Germany and the United States. Um, we are not experts. We are not academics, but we are people who care about Germany. We care about German culture, and um, we care about uh, equity. And so we're going to make some mistakes in this conversation. Um, I know I, I, I think a lot of us feel nervous when we talk about these kinds of topics. Um, we might hurt some feelings. And so... Yeah, I just want to open us all up to talking about these difficult things because um, we do see it as in line with the mission here at the GAI. Which also just let me early on place the open call to feedback that if yeah. you have something to contribute to the conversation, positive, negative, indifferent, hints, tips, tricks, uh, news articles that you believe we should consider in future recordings, uh, it's podcast at GAIMN.org. Yeah. For sure. And then, um, yeah, and I think Caro, uh, as, as Caro will explain to us, and as Gunter just showed, these are really big topics in Germany today in the news and what people are thinking about. Um, so I'm, I look forward to, to hearing what you've researched, too. Let me start you off with uh, three stats points. And those stats points are... The percentage of foreign individuals in Germany in 2020 is 12.7%. The percentage of Germans who are supportive of anti-foreigner uh, statements, if you will, is 16.5. And 52% of Germans are considering Islam as a dangerous existence within Germany. So those are pretty significant data points. Uh, the question is, of course, now where do we go from here? Uh, my first question mm -hmm. is, you said foreign people. 
Yeah, I I kept it I kept it open. Um, not non German non Germans, uh, foreigners, refugees, uh, people who are coming coming into Germany, searching for a better life. So that would uh, restrict the group only of people who are not born in Germany. That is my first stepping stone. There are a lot of Germans. Um, who are not white and they're Germans and they're born in Germany and they have the German citizenship and these people are completely forgotten. These people are always considered as people with the immigration background. This maybe it is completely unknown that in when Germany had the colonies that each kid that was fathered by a white colonist for lack of a better word who was auto automatically entitled to have the German citizenship mm -hmm. and there are descendants of these people who still live in Germany or got chased out of Germany in 1935 but could come back because the loss of the German citizenship uh, was reversed av after World War II These people are Germans. These people have the name Robert Müller, and they're not white. Mm -hmm. um, and was it um, in the year 2000, I think, that the German citizenship laws changed from the German blood sort of consideration to, I, I, for lack of also a better term, but I, I remember, I think, reading that in, in Susan Nyman's book, um, that the citizenship laws changed in 2000. Uh, the citizenship laws and that that change in 2000 mm -hmm. was um, that when you could prove that you are coming from a German citizen back up to the fourth generation back, mm -hmm. you could go to Germany and would okay. be granted German citizenship. So you could reclaim your German you citizenship. You could reclaim. Okay. That is where the, the word Russlanddeutsche comes from. Mm -hmm. Those people who suffered under Stalin a lot and used to be Germans uh, could reclaim their citizenship okay. and come to Germany. And guess what? The Russlanddeutsche, everybody from the East, was coming back to Germany. Nobody invited anybody from the former African or Chinese colonies to come back to Germany. And it would be true for those people as the same as it would be true for people coming from Eastern Europe. So in that sense, the classification of a person who could be perceived as somebody who's not welcome is mm -hmm. not necessarily tied to the skin color alone but also to uh, the geographic whereabouts from the from the person's uh, origins, if you will. So, for instance, a Russian-German uh, or somebody from the Czech Republic uh, coming to Austria. I've, I've heard this uh, before personally, so there is no scientific backup to this, more anecdotal evidence, if you will. But that we look at people, we, we so to speak, uh, very broadly spoken, uh, look at people coming in from Hungary, from uh, the Czech Republic, from Slovenia, as uh, people who just simply don't belong with us, even though they have the same color, but they do have perhaps a different accent, perhaps a different worldview, a uh, little bit of a different perspective as to how things are running 
in Austria versus where they are from. And particularly in Austria, we see that the largest, I would say, impact of racism continues to be credited to uh, the Turkish community. Well, that's the same in Germany. But I guess we start with the, maybe we start with the defini definition of the term race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this is makes sense. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, after World War Two, you couldn't use the word Rasse as a German word anymore because this word was soiled by the Nazis. Actually, I think it was soiled all along. This is a word we shouldn't use right. <laughs> and, and apply it to human beings. Says a white woman here, I have to say. Um, but since that word race and racism was kind of uh, mostly of the victims, applied to the victims of the concentration camps and the biggest group being Jewish, all of a sudden this word race was applied to Jewish people. You couldn't use it anymore. And everybody else was kind of in the background. Um, that leads to a lot of people nowadays because we all had to work through all that uh, horror of the of World War Two, all the crimes the Germans committed. That people pride themselves of being colorblind in Germany, but colorblind doesn't help. It's but if you if you don't see race, you doesn't do anything to prevent racism. If you cannot see race, then you cannot be a racist. But if you're not a racist and there is no race, then you cannot prevent racism. Does it make sense to you guys <laughs> what I'm saying? So here? your argument essentially is, is counter to saying, I don't see in color, so to speak. But in order to prevent racism, you have to see in color. You have to consider the person's skin color, the person's appearance, in order to combat racism. Otherwise, you're essentially disproving the thing that doesn't exist, so to speak. Right. Yeah, and I think, um, I think, um, is it Robin DeAngelo, the author of yeah. um, White Fragility? I think she makes this argument in the book that by not seeing race or saying that you don't see race, you're not acknowledging the life experiences of that individual um, and, you know, what they have experienced compared to you. We have the, of you know, the three of us being white, we have the luxury of not thinking about race, um, and people of other, people of color have encounters where their race is conscious to them, or, th excuse me, their color, their experiences um, are affected by, by that identity all the time. It would be interesting to find out... Um as opposed to concerns, if you will, I've heard time and again, uh, again anecdotally, that uh, non um, non immediately identifiable Americans, in other words, white, uh, s sort of German heritage, if you will, don't really have to fear getting pulled over. Not quite the same with uh, with. Uh, people diff with different skin color, the variety of skin colors. So I'm not just exclusively uh, targeting one color, so to speak, but all of the colors other than white, I think, are sort of uh, concerned these days of having, for instance, police interactions. I would say that the same is not true in Germany or in Austria. 
if I get pulled over as a non-white Austrian or a refugee, for instance, in Austria, I would not fear for my life. At least I have not heard anything to that nature. The people I know do fear for their lives and they're mostly Mm. of Arabian background. In Germany? In Germany, yes. Tell me more about that. Not fearing for the life is that the... uh, Arms are not that widespread in Germany. It's just a pure uh, matter of equipment that um, mm. police is not so afraid that somebody would pull a, a, a gun, gun yeah. but they would be concerned that any Arab man with a beard would pull a knife on them. That's true in Germany, for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you would fear in negative interaction but would you equally fear being essentially murdered like yeah three black people in the last two years were found dead in their cells one was burned one was beaten of of was beaten to death and nobody (laughs) knows how that came to be and one guy was suffocated not like a George Floyd, but he died in his cell of suf- as- asphyxiation, mm-hmm. and we don't know. That was never. There was never a real throughout investigation of those things. All these people were people who were refugees and should be put on a plane to a couple of days later. Uh, to Depor- be flown home to okay. their home countries. Oh, I see. Yes. So. Racism and its effects are effects are quite alive and well, so to speak, even in Germany. Then, yeah, it is. Yeah. What, um, what about the the training that you did recently? The um, training I did recently was about how in sc- how school books in Germany nowadays perpetuate a certain kind of racism. Uh, with text and photos mm-hmm. that black people are always in Africa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where else would they be? And those photos of these black people who only live in Africa are always like proud warriors, half naked with some spear and some... and wonderful women with naked breasts in colorful headdresses. And this is a, a picture of black people that is like, mm-mm, that's not... So still very much capitalizing on the stereotype. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, ethnic porn. Mm. Are there... So then are there movements underway to, to change the yeah. books? The Bundeszentrale for Politische Bildung mm-hmm. has a lot of uh, material how you can take those racist things out of your curriculum mm-hmm. and uh, offers material that has a different approach to that. Okay. Um, and there is an investigation going on about children's books like, mm-hmm. um, like the little... Ten little N-word people. That was all yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. that we still have in our books and that is still cute for the little ones and I don't see anything cute in it. So here's the question though, um, parallel to what you said earlier by disregarding 
to see color, would the same thought process apply here to say if we remove all those references, we also remove the opportunity to actually speak about that which is so wrong by just simply stereotyping, for instance, the African appearance? Or should it just stay in there, but also then be addressed with the appropriate question, with the appropriate assessment, with the appropriate conversation, as opposed to removing it altogether and thereby, thereby essentially silencing the conversation? I would remove everything that hurts people's feeling and uh, provides a stereotype that, is, that never existed in reality. Um, it is. It doesn't matter if it's the little N-word kids or if it's Vinatu or it, if it's Hopsing in the show Bonanza. Mm -hmm. Like we have all these stereotypes about people and I would remove that from from reality, because it's not reality. You know, it's quite interesting. Uh, I never even thought of Bonanza, for instance, or um, we can go as far as, as uh, Pink Panther with Inspector Clouseau and uh, and so forth. So those references are just about everywhere. And uh, yeah, unless exactly. pointed out, you don't, at least I don't necessarily think of them as, wait a minute, this, this is just cultural misappropriation and, yeah. and akin to, to racism or has racist undertones. Mm -hmm. I think in, in the sort of entertainment perspective, whether that's movies or educational perspective uh, in books and, and, and so forth, I don't think we necessarily make that leap to say, wait a minute, this is, this is, actually, this is actually racist. And if we don't make that leap, I think we are racist. And not doing that leap makes it brings us on the rim of being really racist, don't you think? I, I'm not disagreeing with you. On the contrary, I'm actually very much in agreement. The question, of course, immediately for me is then, okay, how do we solve this? Because if we remove all the references that could be ruffling someone's feathers or uh, are categorically wrong and any any variation in between... How how do we establish cultural sensitivity when we take all this out? Isn't the sensitivity experience based on recognizing something that is fundamentally wrong and therefore I'm learning from the error to become more sensitive as opposed to not having the experience, therefore not learning, and then simply committing mistakes by having grown up in an environment perhaps that caters towards racism? But... Uh, uh I mean, we can take out the, the, the book, like the photos in the books of um, African warriors and can put Patrick Lumumba or Nelson Mandela in there. What would stop us from that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think in some of these discussions, um, like it uh, reminds me a little bit of Susan Nyman's book and, and her discussion is that, you know, we... We don't have Confederate memorials. I mean, we do, but we shouldn't. Um, but, you know, there's a place for some of these things in places of learning or museums because I do think that we need to learn and that particularly future generations need to learn about the history of racism and, you know, genocide in, in our countries. Um, but there's, I think the modern representations can be different where we move away from the 
well, stereotypes, but also from just white people as being the norm um, in mainstream culture and education. I mean, I would maybe, how would you feel if somebody would use a caricature of a Jewish man nowadays? You cannot do that. It gives me almost a, like, a feeling of physical distress because I'm raised in that culture that we cannot do that. What was your example from Home Alone or like some of these more recent examples? Home Alone there was like uh, it was uh, that in English it was a German dub dub Germany in in Germany the films are all dubbed in in German. Correct, yes. And in the dubbed version, like the English original had uh, a mention of a sun tanning on vacation and getting a shade darker and the German dubbed version used the N-word for that. Was that a controversy? Getting brown like an N-word person. And was that covered by the media and they they changed it and all of that? And it was covered by the media and Netflix was forced to change it and published an apology. But this was not... The funny thing is... No, it's not funny. I think like there was like... um, Oof, we haven't seen that. Of course, we apologize. Sorry for this. We change it. No, there has to be a discussion. No, there's always somebody who's saying, oh, we always said it. It's not a bad word. We didn't mean it as a bad word when he said it in the 40s or 30s or 20s. Mm. Um, why like that? that slips like this happen to us? And it will happen to me. I'm a white person and I never experience racism but if something happens to me and somebody else a black person says to me um excuse me could you please and i say "Oof, i apologize i won't do it again nay why do you have to argue against it and against it but getting getting this from a black person a please netflix don't do that The entire problem is so multi-layered. Uh, let's, let's take it back to Germany for a second. And even though, obviously, three white people sitting in the same room, it's incredibly challenging. And, and you probably recognize when you listen to this some of the struggle in actually expressing this entire subject matter in a, in, in a way that it is conducive yet non-conflicting to actually finding something to hold on to that could potentially improve the situation going forward. But going back to Germany, I'm, I'm wondering about the experience in Germany for people who are not Germans or even those who are Germans but definitively look different. And it seems that there is still a, a fair amount of not in my backyard going on in terms of, oh, you don't belong. I need to protect that which is mine. And it's... it's in, in, a, in a nutshell, kind of the same type of behavior that we have here. So we are not that dramatically different over there. We are just looking at a different target group that we essentially discriminate against. That's, I would say that's right. Like, we are not different than they here. Um, and in Germany, there is a different target group, but that's not so different. I think... Uh, Muslims are singled out here 
a lot too. Uh, you mean in Germany? In Germany and in the U.S. Our like our favorite target group in Germany are Muslim men. They're all bad. They're dark. They're bad. They there is the stereotype of a Muslim man. And uh, I don't know all the Muslim men. Um, I I don't know if it's true or not. Um, but like I. The training I did is about really black people or people mm -hmm. with visibly darker complexion than the average strawberry blonde rosy cheek German has. Um, and it's always, and this is a thing I really like that you say foreign and foreign and foreign, um, that Germans uh, don't have any expectation that somebody who doesn't look exactly German <laughs> should be German, and this expectations I like I don't know I I don't know where the root is like that you have uh, people and they you ask Dalia Kumpalul Velin oh Dalia where are you from and Dalia says. Mönchengladbach, mm -hmm. and somebody else said, no, I mean, where are you really from? Mm -hmm. And Dahlia says, well, what do you mean? I'm born in the hospital of Mönchengladbach. What do you mean? Um, I know, what, oh, we all know what these people mean. We know that they mean, where are your parents from? Or, wait, your parents are born here, where are your grandparents from? That this where are you from and where are you really from is a really hindrance to integration uh, of a German so-called multiculti society. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it would be it would be a, a, a quite unreasonable expectation to make the leap that a podcast is going to solve racism. Um, but going to your training, what solutions were offered to the problem? There are no solutions to the problem. There is just the awareness of the problem. Maybe you just accept it when I ask a person where you're from and this person said, Mönchengladbach, and then you say, oh, I've never been in Mönchengladbach, is it nice there? Or whatever. That you just accept that a person who might not look like you expect a person to look like who is from Mönchengladbach can still be from there. That you just accept it. I mean, when I when I meet some person here that where you're from and my friend Susan who's black says oh, I am from Flint Michigan well I don't never would think thinking of asking you know Susan really where you're from mm -hmm. can we not stop so thinking about that like this basically the call to action here is quit digging until you find something that you can hang your racism hat onto and as as a counter argument, I suppose, 
which it's really it, it doesn't stand on on solid legs by any stretch of the imagination but asking repeatedly where where are you from where are your parents from your grandparents from because the person distinctly looks different is perhaps the the expression of of curiosity wrapped in the idea that you don't look as if you're of my tribe therefore i want to figure out your your origins so to speak i'm not sure that it's always by necessity malicious in in application it could very well really just be curiosity the question is what am i doing with the information once i, I hear where you're from your roots so to speak what am i doing with this i i don't know if you like it is curiosity but it is a curiosity that digs deep into my personal life mm. and when i meet somebody so i ask erin erin where are you from duluth minnesota so and i'm i'm satisfied so she's from duluth minnesota and it's like well do you really have a minnesotan accent like it goes really close into personal space of a person and this is too much curiosity this curiosity i was never, I never experienced this curiosity about myself. Interesting. So as basically, a white person. I think part of it is, you know, malicious or not, I think is not the point. I think sometimes we think that racism is when someone is overtly malicious. And I think a lot of the discussion today is about the things that we do that are racist, even though we don't think of it as such um that it is just that it is based on these assumptions that when you ask when these follow-up questions are asked just to keep on this example you're putting someone in a different box you're saying you're not belonging and i think with a lot of diversity equity inclusion work and anti-racism work the not end goal but I, i think it's trying to like to foster that sense of belonging so do we need to differentiate between unintentional racism that we learn from versus actual racism that is just outright racism for the for the uh for the purpose of discrimination for the purpose of of classifying somebody uh, is is there is there an excuse so no. to speak in in the learning perspective or is it all together in the same bucket of unacceptable attention doesn't matter when it hurts people i mean this is it's the same with sexual assault it is like the intention doesn't matter if you hurt somebody you can apologize but you did hurt somebody. That's my that is my personal take on it. Um, it is, isn't isn't it so that very often, and we do that, um, white people assume an unmarked neutral objective position, and we assume this is our unmarked objective position of things, and other people might see that completely differently. Yeah, I still I feel like there's a lot there's a lot of interesting um texts about this and, and articles. Um you know, I know some colleagues in Germany who are doing a lot of reading about this. Um I think maybe we can post 
a list of some of these resources in the show that notes. Nice. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's some, you know, for those of you who want to practice your German, <laughs> there are some books <laughs> auf Deutsch about um, racism in Germany. Um, but for example, there is Was Weißer mentioned, Nicht über Rassismus hören wollen, yes, aber wissen too. sollten, by Alice Hasters. Um, there's Exit Racism, Rassismus, Kritisch Denken Lernen. There's um, Deutschland, Schwarz-Weiß, just to name a few. And I think these are all fairly recent. These are very Oops. recent. And uh, Sat1 in German TV, we can put that link there in too, has a really nice uh, documentary called Ich bin kein Kostüm. Oh, okay. I'm not a costume and that's only 40 minutes. Um, that's kind of, if you want to, you can you can watch it with German and German subtitles, <laughs> not <laughs> with English subtitles. So if you and there there uh, there is a nice video clip about um, twenty minutes of um, actors and actresses in Germany who are not white who talk about what kind of roles they get in theater or in movies, and that's very interesting too. On the whole, um, I, d I don't know about the two of you, uh, in, in, in full disclosure, I, I am feeling incredibly challenged even talking about this, and it probably comes through in the recording. I'm really trying to very carefully choose my words and my questions, trying to stay as neutrally minded as humanly possible, so to not uh, essentially have my elbows out. And uh, I think a lot of people, perhaps, who are recognizing the existence of racism have similar perhaps experience is trying to navigate a really challenging topic. And the wider you are, I think, the more challenging the topic becomes. So my, my encouragement to you, the listening audience, would be if you have time and if you had an experience or if you have a position in regards to racism, a pro, a con, I mean, I don't know what the pro would be, but if you have one, please bring it to our attention. Uh, if there is a con, if there is something that you had to overcome, if there's an experience that you had, whether that's an anecdotal experience from somebody else or you had it personally, just send us an email because this conversation is going to be an ongoing one. And by, by making your voice heard, A, obviously you are strengthening your position, but you're also giving us really more material to to adequately and effectively address that which seems so just insurmountably large. Yeah, and I would also yeah. add that we are reaching out to some guests um, of color who live in Germany and hope to bring more of a some experts on the podcast. So I. I see this as more of an introductory conversation where we just sort of were touching on these points and getting some thoughts out there. But I definitely think this is a, a conversation that will continue in a few other podcasts. And hopefully that we can learn, we all can learn together um, about these really big topics. I'm very much looking forward to hosting those conversations and the interviews. Uh, gets me a little bit out of, the, out of the hot zone of having an opinion on my own, but I can just ask questions, which, again, uh, this is, this is the, the, the very cheap exit door for the very white Austrian sitting here, which, again, is just an exemplification of this is not easy. And the only way to, to overcome this is by, 
as Erin just noted, by learning together and just having perhaps a little bit more of an open mind than we had yesterday. There is no way to end this on a high note. That's the unfortunate <laughs> downside. But conversation to be continued. So uh, look out for future episodes. Of course, please do check the show notes of this particular episode for relevant links. Uh, again, the encouragement stands. Uh, please do send us your stories and your positions and your opinion to podcast at org. And let's just refocus an abrupt switch towards something positive uh, in, in regards to togetherness and hugging uh, because we are about to hug again uh, soon I think uh, as far as the uh, mask and social distancing mandates go Erin what do we have planned yeah well, actually first I'm going to have Caro talk about classes sure. so um, this is the events and classes section of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I talk about <laughs> classes we have one beginners class starting in three weeks and I highly encourage everybody who wants to buckle down on German in the summer please sign up for a A11 beginners class it will be fun and it will be online so you can travel while you do it but you take your German always with you um, and the next thing are we have summer classes for adults in which we explore a bit uh, actual events that happen right now in Germany in Dutch, as conversation groups, we do a bit of grammar reviews. <laughs> yes. Um, we do a bit of uh, German video clips for advertisement um, and, tell and try to explore what they tell us about the Germanness in the German. Um, and we had a little bit of pronunciation and writing. And these classes are... Eight weeks long, right? These classes are six weeks long and they are from July 12th till end of August. And most of these classes are online. You can take them with you in your vacation. And some classes will be on site so that we try to get together again and trying the, the new thing of being in each others spaces again right that seems very strange uh thinking about this right now having a class in an actual classroom yes it does how <laughs> traditional <laughs> well you can't have the summit room back because that's where the communications and development teams sit now but oh good okay. point yes <laughs> but downstairs no um yeah so on events um gunter made this change a couple weeks ago but uh, because of Deutsche Tage. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Deutsche Tage I had talked about two weeks ago, um, we had the requirement for time slots and tickets. Because of the governor's most recent mandates, those are no longer needed. So for Deutsche Tage, you simply come when you want to. And that's on June 12th and 13th, on Saturday from 12 to 9, and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, and our lawn cafe is happening this Sunday at one o'clock PM, but I believe by the time the podcast comes out, um, is the ticket registration deadline, but we hoping to have, we are hoping to have, um, more of these this summer. Um, and yeah, the event that I personally am the most excited about, uh, besides Deutsche Tage is our international cafe and Kuchen. And we are uh, inviting the Iraqi community here in Minnesota to uh, the GAI, and um, we have some uh, 
wonderful guests who are coming to share Iraqi sweets with us, uh, tea, some dancing, some music. Um, and I'm just personally so excited about this because I used to live and work in Iraq for a year, um, gosh, seven or eight years ago. But um, yeah, this is a new type of event that we're hoping to have where we're really just sharing together, celebrating together uh, here at the GAI. That's on July 17th, uh, which I believe is a Sunday. So it goes right with our mission to um, bridge cultures, connect cultures through German language, and in this case, German coffee and sweets. German totally and, approved. and Iraqi, and yeah. Iraqi, so I yes. feel like all the groups are coming together and, and sharing, and you know we're all Minnesotans, and we all have, you know, this is our home, so... Very excited to see that and very curious as to what the reception is going to be. And I think this particular episode caters absolutely to the idea that you should just show up and get to know our community from a perspective that you perhaps have not had an opportunity before to do. So I think that pretty much wraps it, unless we have something else going on. Nothing? No. Nothing? That's, no, that's okay. it. Okay, well, yeah. that's it. Uh, as always, Erin, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Caro, fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. And this is Gunther signing off uh, from this episode. So of course, there is more to come. Storycasts, uh, if you have stories that you want us to bring to you, just send us an email, podcast at gaimn.org. And stay tuned for a continuation of the conversation about racism in Germany and uh, frankly I think globally that's it until next time just <laughs>